Welcome to the Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast, brought to you by the 2017 URM Summit, a once-in-a-lifetime chance to spend four days with the next generation of audio professionals and special guests, including Andrew Wade, Kane Churko, Billy Decker, Fluff, Brian Hood, and many more. The inspiration, ideas, and friendship you'll get here are the things that you'll look back on as inflection points in your life. Learn more at urmsummit.com. The URM Podcast is also brought to you by Heirloomed Microphones. Heirloomed Microphones are high-end condenser microphones with something that has never been seen in the microphone industry, a triangular membrane. With our patented membranes and our tailored phase linear electronics, your recording and live experience will never be the same. Heirloomed, our microphones will help you discover clarity. Go to ehrlund.se for more info. And now your hosts, Joe Manasek and A.L. Levy. Welcome to the Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast. I'm A.L. Levy with uh, Joe Wanasek. Joey is out on vacation on some yacht somewhere with Leonardo Lucky DiCaprio. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio and him are uh, partying. And uh, we've got Trey Xavier from Gear Gods here as a What's guest. Up? Hello, Trey. Hey, guys. What's cracking? They're on your yacht, right? Yes. It's a... Uh... It's a six, 60 footer. What's what's a good number? I don't know. <laughs> just the higher the better. Your yacht yeah, has to have a yacht. That's all that matters. Like yes. the Russian oligarchs, just be like, you know, I have a yacht with a yacht in it. I don't even know how big it is because it's the size yes. of a football field. I have a 7,500 foot yacht, and in the pool in the yacht <laughs> is a smaller yacht. Actually, Perfect. have you seen the uh, the pictures of the yachts that have the boat inside of them? No. So what? Yes, you, they're amazing. Yeah. So what you were just saying is actually a real thing. Holy crap! Yeah, that's Abramovich has that. Yeah, it's pretty great. Now I believe that sixty foot is the minimum length for a yacht. I could be wrong. It could be oh. fifty, but I believe that in order for a boat to qualify as a yacht, it has to be sixty or more. So actually, basically, I, small time. Yeah, sixty foot. I think it's a small time yacht. I think you got to be talking one hundred fifty foot to like. Dang be balling yeah titanic or gtfo i'll put yeah. it this way i am uh i'm i pretty much max out at a canoe i <laughs> mean it's like i <laughs> i know how to pilot a canoe and uh you know it's that's what's that a 10 foot it's like a, it's like a micro yacht that's so how i like to up, think of it upgraded from a kayak yes all right that's pretty cool i think it it's more like Kayaks and canoes are kind of like the sharks and the jets of the small boat world. <laughs> so like, so like it's your one or the other. And then if you if you see someone in one of the other ones, you have to have a knife fight, which is really awkward on the water. So so speaking of knife fights, uh, mm-hmm. do you and Alex ever knife fight? Uh, you know, we come pretty close sometimes. <laughs> We're roommates, so it's like you know what is it they say familiarity breeds contempt yeah, <laughs> which is not true i mean I, we don't hate <laughs> each other by any stretch there's it's 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 like brother fighting which is also weird because his actual brother lives here too <laughs> so i'm kind of like the maybe you, you need to get rid of that guy uh if anybody yeah, we'll kill poor adam <laughs> <laughs> if everyone listening is wondering uh alex that we're referring to is alex nasla our uh, subscriber and also writer 
video guy for geargods.net. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, yeah, he's our pro audio reviewer as well, pro audio and keyboard reviewer. Now, we've already established this, though, on prior podcasts, or I should say that Alex is actually omnipotent and is everywhere because he like yep. somehow won the contest. He got the mix crit in this. And it was all like by a random occurrence. <laughs> And it was crazy. We were like, what the hell? Why is Alex just everywhere? You, you can't avoid Alex. He's just there. Uh, that's that's true. He was also at my creative live in uh, California. Yep. He was in Nam. Yep. He's, he's in, just yeah. everywhere. He's under my bed right now. <laughs> just waiting. <laughs> waiting for that moment. Yeah. So what month was it that we created his mix? We created his mix that because it was... Um, yeah, well, first of all, I'm just going to say that we didn't know it was him. Like, <laughs> it, like we didn't know that it was a member of your posse. Yeah. That we we would have been meaner my, if we knew, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, my, he's my partner in crime, too, so yeah, in we, general. We didn't even know. We just... Serial collaborator. Well, he likes harpsichord. He does. <laughs> yeah, he plays in a fucking power metal band. Are you going to let him get away with that shit? Like 2001 call, dude. Come oh. on. He plays in the in in the same power metal band that I'm in. <laughs> yeah, but it's cool when you're in it. But when he's in it, it isn't as cool. Did uh, yeah, did, did you guys give the harpsichord back to nine to two thousand one or? Uh, <laughs> who, I don't know, man. Who, who won that battle? Try and try and talk him out of uh, out of his keyboard sounds. He's he does get the best. Okay, so he like he gets the best keyboard sounds I've ever heard, and then. But then he turns them way too fucking loud (laughs) in his mixes. And because he's the... You just got to hire me to mix your shit and it'll sound better. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, He's, uh, you know, and he he mixes all of my stuff for my demos, which is blessedly usually keyboard free. Even, I mean, I fucking love keyboards. Like when I write music, I put keyboards in all over the place. But, you know, that's like, you can't give the... uh, that's like giving the kid the keys to the candy store. Like you just, it's just out of control. Yeah. Keyboard players, there's two instrumentalists who should never mix anything. And one is a, well, I don't want to call him an instrumentalist. So there's two types of musicians who should never mix anything. <laughs> and one is a vocalist. Yeah, it's not an instrumentalist. It's a vocalist. So one is a vocalist and the other is a keyboard player. Um, because they always will make their shit way too loud. Yeah. Way louder than they ever need to be. So just uh, just my observations. Where Especially you- if they play in a power metal band, man. Because I remember <laughs> one particular metal fest I played back in like, oh, 2004 or five in Minnesota. And there was a prominent power metal band. And I don't want to say names, even though I should, because the guy was kind of a, never mind. But the vocalist sat there at the, they were headlining. And he literally sat there for like, 50 minutes, like, check. One, two, three, check, check. Can I get a little bit more 8K in my monitor? Ah, oh, my God. Check, check, check. <laughs> just a little bit more 8K. It's not enough. Check. Sibilance. Sibilance. And we're like, <laughs> dude, can you just fuck off and play? You're pissing us off. And by the time this dickhead was done sound checking and being a Hollywood asshole, there was like us, because we were playing there, and my band, and like five other dudes there. And everybody had cleared out, like hundreds of people, because he sat there for 45 minutes and like publicly mic checked in front of you know a whole group of people to make sure he had the perfect vocal monitor mix so all eight people could hear him watch one song and then leave because he sucked <laughs> that is rough and you're not going to tell us who it was well I, no 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 I'm, I'm definitely not but then again he probably <laughs> isn't doing anything in this industry anymore so it doesn't matter I, I just want to be nice even though I don't like him as a person <laughs> okay fair enough so you're a guitar player 
right? That is that is a fact. Now hold on. I need to know something. Trey, when you play guitar in that power metal band, do you put your foot on a rock when you solo and look downward at the camera? (laughs) (laughs) I I try to avoid cliches as often as possible. Um, (laughs) But luckily, so far we've not I've not had a camera on me in that situation. So I'll let you know. Okay, because that's the only way. What about standing on top of a piano on a mountain? (laughs) (laughs) If I could get a piano on top of a mountain, that I would for sure do. You need to be in a black metal band to get a mountain first. And I would look I would look right down into the camera and point while snarling, (laughs) you know, and soloing with one hand. I think that's a great idea. Um, So I want to talk about your John Petrucci video. <laughs> I'm, I would love to talk about that. Have I seen this? There's so much to say. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. It's like a take on an old classic, but it's like a really, really good take on an old classic. Do you remember the uh, the John Petrucci videos from like 10 years ago where he's like, uh, I, it's not... John Petrucci shreds, but it's something like it's. They're called psycho exercises. Yeah, and they'll kill you. He goes. He's uh. It's like somebody just did a voiceover of him saying ridiculous shit. Like this knob here controls the, the rotation of the sun. And yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. If yeah. I turn, yeah. So I did like a parody of that. Yeah, but it was actually really, really good and uh, went viral. And I was wondering. Was that you playing guitar in it? Oh, yeah. So That's what I thought. That's what I thought. The reason that, like, I'm, if you were a little bit confused, it's possible that that's because I got the actual track, backing track to play over. So there's this app called Jamit that's actually pretty incredible. And you can download, it's like $5 a song. And you download basically like, almost like the Guitar Hero tracks. You know how they're, they like have the separate parts, like stems. And it's the actual track, so you can you can turn down the lead guitar and record a cover with the actual tracks that you're that from the master, you know, recording. So that's why it sounded almost exactly the same, except for the lead guitar. <laughs> it sounded great, though. Well, like, Thank you. I couldn't at first. I wasn't sure if it was you or not. Like I thought it might have been him because it sounded really, really good. Damn, so. son. Damn, that's a. That's high praise. <laughs> no, it's, it's, true, it's true, though. Now I need to see this video. Yeah, you, <laughs> hey, you, do, wait. you do need to see the video. Why don't we take a two-minute break while Joel watches some of the video? Because I got to take a piss. All right. Well, that was entertaining. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think that humor is very, very important in not being a joyless dick. Like, <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's. I feel like that's part of what separates gear gods from... You know, I don't uh, like Premiere Guitar or I don't know some website that does what we do, kind of better in the technical department or something. But I think people come to us for that kind of like goofy shit. You know, like there's probably a much more thorough review of that pedal on somebody else's channel, but like it's probably not nearly as much fun to watch. Yeah, but you know what. I don't have. I wouldn't have the patience to sit there and watch a thorough review of a piece of gear. <laughs> Besides, there's nothing more thorough than trying out the gear yourself. So I feel totally. like what you did is probably more effective, anyways, because I actually watched the whole video. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I appreciate a little bit of humor because I don't know. Everything is so serious all the time, and being in music, it's uh, 
Uh, well, maybe it's just years of being a producer has jaded me. And it's like, you know, you come up with a song and then you've got 4,000 hate comments and 20,000 like comments and you <laughs> yep. got to deal with all that shit, you know, because everybody's a fucking armchair producer and they all think mm-hmm. they can produce the song. They all think they can mix the song and they all think they know what the band's direction should be. And, you know, they're all, they might as well just all join the band because everybody's a pro. So, um being used to dealing with that kind of shit where everything is taken so seriously. I've always really enjoyed producing bands that are a kind of a joke. It's like not serious at all. And we do it intentionally to get hate and just stupidity. So I appreciate that kind of stuff. Cause I feel like it's, uh, it's fun. You know, you gotta, yeah. t- can't take yourself too seriously. And I don't think anybody should. So Definitely I not. think that's awesome. Well, uh, John Petrucci, Agreed, right? Yeah, that was a massive bucket list item for me, just for him to acknowledge even that I exist. I mean, so I, you know, I was playing one of his guitars in that video. I mean, not, you know, his signature model. And I mean, I've been a Dream Theater fan for, I don't know, 15 plus years. Literally changed the course of my life. Like, I I hope to meet him someday so that I can, so that I can fangirl out really hard and just embarrass the shit out of him and be like, you changed my life. It literally did. I mean, without album, it was, uh, it was scenes from a memory is like their, I mean, that's their perfect masterwork as far as I'm concerned. I have Um, that (laughs) t-shirt. Oh yeah. So you guys are dream theater fans. Yeah. Where I was until Octavarium. Then I got bored. So can you guys tell me something? (laughs) Why do you like it? (laughs) Uh, Well, well, maybe you can just answer me this. Is there singer in the mob? Because that that's probably the only reason that I can understand that he's still in that band and wasn't kicked <laughs> out. Like, are they are they like afraid that the Canadian mob? Well, are, are they gonna afraid that they'll like get put in like a cement brick and dumped in the river or something if they kick him out? <laughs> Let me explain it to you in a way you'll understand. So, um, basically. No one's actually listens to him sing when they listen to Dream Theater. They're just like waiting for the next sick drum fill or beat or the next guitar lick or the next, you know, shredding bass or keyboard part that when he's singing, they're actually not paying attention. So no one actually listens to him sing and no one acknowledges that he's actually even in the band. We really kind of just sit down and we watch the band. I mean, if you've ever been to a Dream Theater show live, it's literally like going to zombie land. Like they all sit there with their hands down and, um, you know, arms crossed with angry looks on their face waiting for John Petrucci to miss a note so they can go blog about it and say (laughs) how better they are than him which is horseshit because they're not but um, I remember one particular dream theater show and it might have even been the scenes from a memory tour there was like one heavy part in a song you know me and my buddies just kind of started mosh pitting a little bit I kind of bumped into my buddy and all of a sudden the guy behind me grabs me and he scolds me I'm like are you fucking kidding me dude this part's metal as fuck we want to throw down and you're telling me I have to sit here and watch the band play peacefully and quietly. Well, yeah. you were at a Dream Theater show. I know. I'm just saying, you know, them power metal guys, you know, they need to they need to lighten up a little bit Chill and get laid. Out. Yeah. Yes. I think, yeah, I think Labrie is uh, very hit or miss for me. I think uh, oftentimes more miss than hit. But, I mean, uh, yeah, what are you going to do? It's my one of my favorite bands with one of my least favorite singers, and I really hope he never listens to this. And he <laughs> hears me say that because that would suck. He'll send you an angry email. Oh, no, he'd send a hit squad. That's, <laughs> that's the that's the reason. I'm convinced that that's the reason. Yeah, I mean, he you know he's uh, he gets to get up, go up there every night, and uh, and s- even if he's not that great, then he's he's sucking in front of. 
10,000 people that I'm not. So what are you going to do? Write about it. Write about it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think Jared Leto should join. Yeah, I would pay to see that (laughs) for sure. (laughs) I I mean, I didn't think 30 seconds to Mars was that bad. And uh, I think he should join. I think they're cool as shit. I I mean, they have their uh, such a distinct sound and it's so massive, like gargantuan sound. Are you actually being serious? Yeah. I thought they sounded great, and I—I uh, um, I mean, I don't know about him, but <laughs> and their their music videos are movies. Yeah, I actually thought they were a good band. So, what's going on in Gear God's Palace? So many things. So we do everything. I mean, so Gear Gods is meant to be a hub for metal musicians, right? So the idea is that if you're a metalhead and you play an instrument or you sing then when you show up on the website, there should be so many things that you can do and look at and and learn about, you know, more than anything else. I think people come to us for a lot of suggestions on what gear to get, you know, so they don't spend a lot of money on the wrong thing, learn how to actually use that gear, and then learn stuff about music in general and their favorite artists. So, so we have playthroughs, interviews, reviews, and other things that rhyme like how tos, uh, <laughs> shootouts. That's a big one that um, people seem to like a whole lot. Like gear versus gear. Yeah. So one of my favorite shootouts, actually, far and away, my favorite shootout that we've done has been the massive overdrive pedal shootout where we shot. I remember out, that. I remember yeah, twenty five different overdrive pedals, and uh, the format of it, I think, is the most important part and we utilize youtube's uh what's it called when you clickable annotations so the clickable annotations on screen so that you can click from any one part of the video to any other so we have a little menu of the pedals on one side and so you can click on one pedal and hear it and then immediately click to another pedal and hear it in the same context so that you can a b them basically from your you know from your computer at home. So that, you know, clever. like there's a billion overdrives on the market. So trying to, trying to pick one can be pretty intimidating. If you could just buy them all. Exactly. And you, you know, just a (laughs) quick, uh, drop in a quick three grand and, uh, just, you know, get them all and then recreate our whole thing. That sounds terrible. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, you still would need to shoot them out. Now, hold on yeah. a second. When you're charging the band to shoot out 400 overdrive pedals, and it takes six days to do, but they get the tone <laughs> that they love, oh my you God. are six days richer. You know the tone on the record is going to be great because you spent six days getting it, and the band feels cool. So for all of our recording friends, um, there actually is a psychology and a benefit to having a bunch of unnecessary gear that you only need one out of exactly. the 800 things <laughs> because it's cool to play with it because when a band walks in, there's a certain, like, holy shit factor when you have 22 amps and they're all worth $3,000 or more, um, they're going to look at that and they're going to be like, damn, dude, I left my line six in the car. You're going to be like, exactly. Let's go play with some amps. Go get it, dude. We're going to blow all these fucking blondes off the off the shelf. Yeah, then the kid says he has axe effects and I just tell him to get straight the fuck out of my studio. <laughs> so what happened, with the, uh, what happened with the contest who won? Oh, well, I didn't declare a winner, though. I mean... The whole idea was just so that people can hear it and choose their own. But as far as I'm concerned, the winner was the uh, VFE Ice Scream. Uh, That's my personal favorite. I think it's 
far and away the most flexible and uh, best sounding. And they did not pay me to say that. I actually bought one of those pedals too. I bought a second one. You know, they sent me one for the uh, for the shootout, and I was like, "This is so good that I need another one in a different color." In case you go out of business. <laughs> yeah, because you know? it sounds different. <laughs> yeah. It was, I mean, so many of them were so great and so many of them sounded exactly the same that it would be kind of hard to actually actively screw up, I think. But for me, the overdrive is sort of a tonal uh, manipulation center or whatever before you get to the amp, you know? So I need a fair amount of control like more controls than just a tone knob, you know? Yeah. So, so the, the ice cream has like a high and low cut knob as well as a mid knob that probably boosts your mids, I guess. Does it and, remove 4k? Uh, uh, no, but that's a feature that I should suggest for the, whatever revision they're going to do next. <laughs> the, the, uh, the Joel Wanasek 4K killer. All right, now we're talking desucculator guitar pedal. Desucculator guitar pedal. Hey, why not? I'm sure somebody could do it. It's actually not not a bad idea. Yeah. So yeah, the uh, my other favorite was the Palisades from Earthquaker for basically the same reason in that it has first of all it has six different clipping modes. And while I don't generally use the internal clipping on an overdrive pedal. It just the to have them, you know what I mean. That's like having six different kinds of overdrive pedals in one. And are are these modules that you can swap in and out, or are, is it all built in? No, it's all built in. It's a knob. Nice. Oh, cool. Yeah, because I've seen pedals where they have six different clipping or distortion modes, where they give you modules that you can physically Damn. replace. That's pretty cool. But I guess it's more future to just have it all internal. Yeah. All internal, get it? Also, <laughs> all right, go. sorry, go on. <laughs> Dirty <laughs> bastard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, so that's uh, where I'm uh, literally as of today actively seeking out uh, pedals for more, doing more of those. So I've done a bunch of uh, of the same kind of idea for mini pedals. So I love these like little tiny. Like, you know, like Moore and Joyo and TC Electronics makes little mini pedals. And I wanted to make a mini pedal uh, fly rig pedal board, something that I could just like fit in my bag, you know, my carry on. And like if I were to go play a show in somewhere where they're like, here's you've got an amp that's backlined and then you only get to bring your guitar and pedal board so you don't have a shitty tone, you know. So I've been doing like an ongoing shootout of different types of pedals to put on this board. And the only requirement is that they're, they're mini sized. So um, the only thing I have left to shoot out is a gate pedal. So I've got a couple of those and then I'll have a full wee baby pedal board to take with me to play shows that I never play because I don't play live very often. <laughs> but you know, the concept is sound. <laughs> Joel, do you ever use uh, physical pedals? when you're working? I didn't for a long time. I had a uh, Boss DS1 originally because when I was 16, Joe Satriani had one. So obviously I had to get one so I could get the <laughs> same guitar sound, right? And yeah. uh, I think from that, oh no, my first pedal when I was in like seventh or eighth grade, I got a, a metal zone because I mean, dude, it was yep. like 
92 or 93 and like Cannibal Corpse had it and you know I wanted to be like Cannibal Corpse and Morbid Angel so I got the metal zone except my tone sucked and um, <laughs> so aside from that I had those for many years then when I got my studio and I started engineering I obviously had to get a tube screamer because I read that Andy Sneap used it and I wanted to be Andy Sneap and um, <laughs> you know then I got an assistant many years later and he's a total pedal nerd it, to the point where it's uh, ridiculous so he knows like every guitar rig he's like on this record Korn used this and ran this into this and then this chorus and this Rob Zombie song they did this and then double the guitar and did 36 takes of this into this rig into this and then use this guitar with this pickup I'm like that's awesome just plug it in and get me a good tone and I'll come back and <laughs> you know hit record so he made me buy some Strymon pedals so I got like the timeline and um a few other really cool ones to do like cool effects and stuff like that. Those are really good. I've got one yeah, of those. Yeah, they're, they're really amazing. So I really like using them because, you know, the digital stuff is cool. But again, you know, I'm a geared dork. So I think there's just a certain sound and a certain tone that the analog stuff has that's just very unique to it. And while the digital stuff is cool and gets the job done, sometimes I like it sexier sibling and I, I like to ride the Ferrari. So um, <laughs> I'm glad I have that stuff because when I need it, I'm very happy and it's really flexible and it's just it, it's when you get to play through a bunch of cool pedals and things like that it's it's really awesome so i was a shredder i was too good for pedals when i played guitar i didn't care so coming back now i have all these cool pedals and i still don't use them except when i'm making records and i would say that i'm, I'm glad i have them around and i'm glad i invested in a few really good ones it's so much more fun isn't it yeah you just turn knobs okay like i like doing um drone records i've only done like a couple of drone songs i shouldn't say records but like when i do a lot of like you know like weird bands that are have like 90s influences like hum and uh what the hell is that other band failure and all these and like sono mm -hmm. and all this shit yeah and um you know we'll do like noise solos and drone songs and things like that where somebody will come in with like a 30 pedal board and we'll just like hit the guitar throw it on the loop pedal and we'll sit and we'll just all turn knobs and come up with a bunch of bullshit and make a song out of it and that stuff's fun like i really 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 enjoyed making some of those records and like coming up with crazy ass shit so um they're fun get some pedals yeah absolutely yeah you know and before i did this shootout honestly like i did not own an overdrive pedal like i used it i <laughs> you know i also had a metal zone back in the day hell yeah because it was <laughs> because i went to you know my local music store and they were like this one has the most gain and i was like so <laughs> You know, but it wasn't until I spent all that time, like, sh like literally going through 25 of them and trying them all out that I like really saw the value in having a really good one. And of course, I'm one of those guys that you would tell to get right the fuck out because I use an Axe FX for a lot of stuff. And, yeah, uh, definitely. you know, I, I just use a uh, I, I used the the overdrive, one of the ones that was just in there and finding like that it had variable more variable controls than like a typical tube screamer was pretty cool. And that, that was kind of when I was like, huh, maybe I should investigate that a little bit further. And then I went down the fucking rabbit hole. And I, I mean, I could do with the, the number of overdrives that are out there, I could do 10 more shootouts just like this. And, uh, yeah. So now I'm like, God damn it. Now I have boxes of pedals <laughs> that I'm like, I, uh, well, I could, I, you know, I could get rid of this one, but like, what if I need it for this particular scenario? Right, I got a deal you know? for you. I got a deal for you. You can send them to me. I'll oh, relieve right. your burden for free, of course. Right. And then you can continue Naturally. with the peace of mind, knowing that you don't have to worry about the decision anymore. And then I'll just sit and stare at them and do the same thing. That would be a weight off of my shoulders. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for offering that. You know what? I used to have a bunch of pedals like that and I sold 
everyone that I hadn't used in the past two years, I sold. And guess what? Ever since then, I haven't missed any of them. Yeah. And uh, I don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, it's smart. I'll probably just keep a couple of them. It's like one of those things where I got to have a hot minute to uh, list them and everything. But yeah. Yeah. So I'm hoping to do a lot more of those kinds of things because that's that's really the core, I think, of what Gear Gods is about. You know, the, the what I like to call the meaty content of the uh, of the website, the stuff that you can go and like actually learn something and not just clickbait bullshit, yeah. which we have to do a little bit of. And well, can actually need, be really fun, but you need traffic, right? So, is what it is. So then, when they get there and they watch whatever video of Zach Wild punching me in the face or uh, <laughs> something silly that we do like that, because I've got two of those now of him uh, punching those, you in the face. Yeah, and one of me punching him in the face. How hard does he hit? Oh, I mean, it was fake. Oh, um, <laughs> it, look, it looks real. On. That's like his thing, though. You know, it's all all this punching. I mean, those were like two of our biggest viral hits. So he's fucking hilarious. I want to just hang out with that guy all the time. He cracks me up so hard. Anyway, uh, but you know what I mean? Like people go like people who maybe aren't aware of the site might see that like it gets shared by Metal Sucks or something and they go, oh, I want to see this. And they go to the site and then they go, oh, hey, look, here's something interesting that I could learn today. For example, uh, you asked what's what's the haps on Gear Gods recently. Uh, I started re- uh, doing a theory series. It's I called, actually was about to ask you about yeah, that. Yeah, it's called Trey's Theory Corner because I shoot it sort of ghetto fabulous style in the corner of my bedroom instead of uh, you know in the studio where we shoot all of our sort of more formal and serious or bigger scale content. Um, just so that I can get them out really quickly, you know, and it's, uh, one of my favorite things to do because I've really love music theory and I love teaching it. Did you go to music school? I did. I went to Berkeley college of music for one year, uh, right out of high school because, uh, well, mainly because I'm from the Boston area originally. And so it was, you know, I lived at home and I commuted in, I'm from Arlington, which is like a suburb. And then I got sick of living at home and shoveling snow half of the year. So I moved to California and I finished my degree at Sonoma State University. So basically like I, oddly enough, was a jazz studies major for more than half of my college career, which is weird because I don't really listen to that much jazz, but I recognized how much better they were as musicians than me. So I, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to soak up as much of that as I possibly can. So like I took jazz guitar lessons, I studied jazz harmony and theory and stuff like that. And it made a massive difference in the way that I view music. And I want, I think that, I think that jazz guys have a lot to learn from metalheads, but I think metalheads have a lot more to learn from jazz guys, specifically theory stuff. And also maybe some, you know, feel. But yeah, so, uh, you know, I took all the all the harmony classes that they offered. And I think that it's one of the most important decisions I ever made in my whole life. So I'm trying to pass that on to our audience. And it's a little bit of a labor of love because, uh, you know, my, for instance, the Petrucci video is probably something like 50,000 views at this point. My theory videos are 
very beloved and they have a very high um, uh, average view time, but not very not a whole lot of hits just yet. So, well, I mean, you can't expect a huge amount of hits on a guitar theory video. Definitely not. Not as compared to comedy. Certainly not. Which is why it's a labor of love and it's I'm okay with that. I don't mind at all. I uh, you know, I get more First of all, I get way more positive comments. If you can imagine this, the the first theory video, I I mean, I haven't checked on it recently, but the first one that I put out has zero thumbs down which on YouTube is a fucking miracle because anybody can give it a thumbs down for any reason. Like they don't like my face, you know, would you like, <laughs> like, they just, would you like me to give you one? No, please. God, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll add you, the second one. <laughs> exactly. There you go. There's two reasons, like two trolling reasons to give a thumbs down. There's no, there's no <laughs> guidelines, you know, there's no, there's no like, give this a thumbs down. If it I'll contains tell you something child funny. pornography, like whatever, you know, every time we do a video at URM, there's always like within the first 10 minutes of us, posting it there's always somebody like nail the mix whatever there's always somebody that goes and there's two people that it's like two or three thumbs down and it's on every video there'll be like five people have thumbs up there's already two thumbs down and then it goes way up on the positive side so so there's somebody that just sits and waits around for us to post something and then actually like dislikes it like it's probably subscribed to you too they probably are You know? I just think yeah. it's hilarious. Like I laugh every time I see that. I'm like, oh, wait, okay, how long? We're gonna take bets on how long the hate comes. Two thumbs down and one, two minutes. All right, got it, done. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, it's it's cancer. The internet is just full of cancerous fucking idiots. I don't mean to say that they, you know, I mean that they are the cancer, not that they have not cancer, <laughs> not cancer victims. That would be terrible. Well, do you know that being a cancerous idiot actually causes cancer? Yes. in some states. That would. <laughs> If only, man. It's usually like really super nice and cool people that get cancer. What the fuck? <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so that's something. Every two weeks, every other Tuesday, I put out a, a theory video. Currently, we are smack dab in the middle of the intervals. I say smack dab. Uh, actually, in a month, we'll be smack dab in the middle when we come to tritones, which are exactly in the middle of the octave. But uh, currently, we are, <laughs> let's you. see, just on Tuesday. Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like to be very transparent. Can you get that um, tritone substitution lesson in there too, please? Yeah. That's a little little bit down the road. I try. So the reason that I started doing it, there's a billion theory videos on YouTube. Why should you watch mine? It's, there's, the way that theory is presented is like, as this super nebulous, very boring, just very boring and, and just coming at it from the wrong way sort of style. And I think that it should be fun because it's, because I I think that it is fun and I think that it's not as hard as people make it seem. You know, I get these kids coming, asking me these questions, like they're fucking terrified of it. They're so scared and they think that they have to go to college to learn this stuff or that, you know, it's outside of their capability to learn. And it's absolutely not. Anybody can use it. So, and I've broken it down into the smallest possible, easy, munchable little bites, you know? You know, that's the same exact uh, mentality that I took when I did my first creative live was we're doing a topic. My first one ever was about programming MIDI drums. Um, Mm -hmm. A topic that's not that interesting, that a lot of people are afraid of for some reason, and that, you know, how do you make that not the most boring thing ever? Uh, But I took that approach, too, of 
trying not to make it be like all the other videos I'd seen online and to try to make it to where a sixth grader could understand it yet have the information be legitimate and to make it something where if they actually watch it over the course of a weekend by the end of that weekend they would know how to actually at least get get by yeah and that actually proved to be super successful and that's been my mo towards teaching stuff online is uh don't worry about dudes who try to teach hyper technical things for electrical engineers because that's yeah. not you know those kinds of people they can they can go get their phd in engineering if they want to in audio engineering if that even exists but uh for the rest of the people who read those crazy complex articles or watch videos like that who get intimidated by this stuff i want to present this way in a way that will help them because i don't think this stuff's that hard yeah exactly and i think something like that especially like programming drums or whatever that's that could potentially fall under the category of things that are intuitive you know like i program drums intuitively i have a little pad and i kind of tap it out and then i you know move stuff around but i like i'm never thinking like this is an eighth note pattern and this is a flam, you know? And I think that stuff like music theory can also be intuitive if you, if you teach it in an intuitive way or a way that appeals to people's intuitive side. Uh Um, Like so far I have not written down a single note head, you know, like, like on paper or anything. And we'll probably eventually do that. But for right now, like I think people, when they think of music theory, they imagine like uh, like sheets and sheets of, you know, uh, what's it called? Notation. Notation, you know, and like having to learn what, a sh- what sharps and flats and, and, you know, all this like written out stuff. And they, they have this image in their head that that's what it looks like. When it's as simple as like, okay, a major third is, you know, you take one note and then you go up four frets on your guitar or go to the next string and go down one fret, you know? And like, that's the shape of a major third. And why that's important will come across later, but you can just know that and then have it forever. You can you can pl- be playing a song that you already know and you see that shape and you go, huh, oh, that's that has a name. It's called a major third, bam. And it's not, it's not, it's not that fucking that. hard, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that it's important also for theory to be presented in an easier way, kind of like you're talking about, because as a guitar player who went to school for guitar, I can tell you that a lot of people ruin their playing with theory because they make it into too big of a deal. By making it into too big of a deal, it becomes the only thing they think about when they play, and then they do end up sounding like they're just regurgitating scale and theory exercises when it really should just be something that they reference or something that becomes part of their instinct. You just discredited the entire genre of shred guitar. <laughs> hey, man, Ingve, uh, who uh, basically helped start that, doesn't know what the fuck uh, Phrygian scale well, mode would be. If it landed in on his Ferrari and made to wreck <laughs> into a goddamn tree, he wouldn't know Bullshit. what it was. Guitar World, in like 1997, they had the poll. I have the issue in my old man's basement somewhere. They had a poll of the 100 greatest guitar players of all time, and they each had a quote. And Ingve was like in the top 10 or whatever. And his quote was, I know all the theory there is to know, period. 
Wow. Yeah, he doesn't know shit. <laughs> you don't fuck with Ingve. He just plays heavy E Phrygian and sweeps diminished right up the fretboard and you piss right off. <laughs> oh, I'm not I'm not knocking his playing one bit. I think he's incredible, but I know that he doesn't know a goddamn thing about theory. He know I mean he knows his harmonic minor shapes. And he knows he, how to kick in the air when he plays guitar and make ridiculous <laughs> faces. And that's all that matters. Yeah, it really is. I, I love Ingve. I'm a total Ingve fan. <laughs> yeah, man. Here's my here's my here's what I think of your fucking theory, man. Bam, and then he kicks you. I guess my point is that he only knows the very, very basics that he uses. And I don't even know how much of that he actually knows. But it really shouldn't be that tough or that crazy. But I don't think, besides, I don't think that Ingve sounds like one of those guys that I'm talking about. I'll put it this way. I don't think Ingve knows any more theory than he did when he was 19. I don't think so either. Okay, <laughs> do you guys, you remember Black Dahlia Murders, guitar player before Ryan? Oh my Ryan, God, I was, the guy before Ryan. Hope, I was hoping that somebody else was going to bring that up because that's exactly what I was thinking of. Okay, that's the Berkeley Level 2 Scale Study Guitar Solo Extravaganza. <laughs> yeah, or the, uh, the Guitar Grimoire Exercises. Yeah, like that, in a song. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that guy, all he ever did was take the scale exercises, go up, then down, then up and thirds, <laughs> down. Fuck yeah, dude. He kind of like shit. almost ruined those albums. Like, I okay, I just saw them on tour, and they're one of my favorite death metal bands of all time. Okay, and they're phenomenal. They and they have Brandon Ellis filling in. So Brandon Ellis is like. A hundred percent the new Jason Becker. Like he's yeah. fucking unbelievable. And I need to check him out. I'm behind on my guitar player knobbery, but when somebody makes a claim like is the next Jason Becker, that catches my attention. No, 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 it's real. It's it's true. Here's the thing with new guitar players, if you guys will allow me. Like maybe I'm old school and I'm like cane wielding old man, you know, when it comes to this, but uh Man, when I was a kid and I was learning to play guitar, you know, we had guys like Jason Becker and uh, just all these really badass guitar players. And then, like, the whole internet stopped caring about guitar in, like, 2000, and it's just become shit. So kids now, like, what they think about good guitar, like, kids will bring shit into me. And, like, the dude's doing some rudimentary tapping. I could teach a guitar student by year or two. And he's like, oh, dude, look how sick this is. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> let me show you a real guitar player. Here's Sean Lane. Here's Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Becker. Here's Paul Gilbert, you know, at 18 years old and intense rock one. Where, where the fuck is this kid? You know, oh my God, ugh, it makes me so ang aggravated. So when, when you claim that, I'm interested. Yeah. So now that grandpa's rant is over, um, <laughs> <laughs> when I was a boy, no, you're, uh, you're absolutely right. I think I'm reliving the glory days. Come on. <laughs> well, nobody, nobody told Brendan Ellis though. Yeah. Imagine all of the, your, the, the glory days came to life in a, in a human being, and that's Brandon Ellis. He's like super, uh, just got all of it down, and the best vibrato. I mean, he, he's probably sick of people like uh, praising his vibrato, but it is ridiculous. Anyway, so I saw him on tour with Black Dahlia. Zach Wild, ridiculous or just ridiculous? Uh, maybe, uh, maybe more ridiculous, but like not wow. in a not like ridiculous, ridiculously good. And so. He's playing on the fucking unhallowed, like, whatever, 20-year anniversary, 15-year anniversary of their first album coming out. So he has to play all of the that other guy's solos verbatim. <laughs> and it, I was just like, oh, God, that sucks so bad. Like, he's he's 
150 times better than that other guy. And he has to play the like scale patterns from the book, you know, yep. <laughs> it's still great, but what a waste. Oh my God. Anyway, still a great band. Fucking great songs. Awesome show. Um, is this guy like Rusty Cooley good? Oh, he's, I mean, Rusty Cooley is great, but this guy is way better. Dude, I, and when Rusty came on, I've never seen somebody do like four note per string, string skipping octave shit. Like that was retarded when he came out with that. Right. This I guess I, I would different. say that, yeah, it's Brandon is way more musical, I guess. Like Rusty Cooley is like one of the ultimate like technique shred dudes. Yeah. I don't know. Brandon Ellis, it just feels nice. Yeah. But I, but don't, don't let that, that's not to say that Brandon's any sort of slouch. He's technically on goddamn believable. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But, I can't wait to hear it. I just, that was my life. I used to run a very big guitar blog for many, many years back in the day called insaneguitar.com. And I literally did nothing but shred guitar all day, yeah. every single day. And it was kind of sad. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't enjoy other music very much when I listened to that. It was not, I was too elitist for that. It was just like, a, yeah. I don't know. Like, you have to be part of the club. You kind of have to be a just a complete piece of shit about guitar playing. So <laughs> I think everybody goes through a phase like that when they first get into something, you know? I was kind of like that, too. So, all right. So who else do you think is awesome? Like, I think Jason Richardson is incredible. Yep. Um, who else do you think is incredible from the younger crew? Because Brendan's younger. Yeah. Jason's younger. Who are there any other? I'm So those are two guys that I think are every bit as good as like the classic guys. They're some of the only guys I know of these days who are, you know, you could drop them into any era and they would be great. Yes. Who else do we know? in that young crew who's that good uh nick johnston who's that he's i mean he's a solo uh solo guitarist like i I don't know that he's been in any bands of note uh canadian guy man let's see so he's he's not really a shredder per se he plays a like a strat classic single coil strat sound through uh through like a fender combo usually or like a friedman but he's just kidding uh, just like <laughs> I think he was kind of like an Ingve acolyte for a little while type of deal, but he has expanded on that idea so far beyond those very narrow boundaries. Everything he um, is like a little bit jazzy, a little bit kind of like um, very so chromatic. It, and, I was about to say Ingve with chromatics. Yes, that, imagine okay. that. <laughs> Imagine that shit. And like, and I can't even his, listen to shred anymore. His no, it's not shred. It's not, uh, it's not even really metal per se. Like it's, it's kind of like hard rock mixed with some, even some like acoustic stuff and some, uh, and like weird big band era swing sounds and, uh, kind of stuff like that. And, and then like shreddy guitar, like he, when he shreds, he fucking out shreds everybody and their grandma but he's hey, you know my grandma shreds pretty hard <laughs> yeah you should see her sweet picking man. Yeah. let's Sick. see this punk <laughs> yeah this like, fucking nick johnston is she she could out shred me <laughs> i doubt it dude her down picking is sick too <laughs> i'll tell you what pisses me off about shred um <laughs> 10 years ago i would or 15 years ago i'd murder myself now for saying this but like I remember because, you know, when you have a blog, you get solicited by a lot of press releases and stuff like that because everybody wants to push their stuff or have them come do an article or whatever. So I remember I would always get these press releases like from a manager. It'd be like, 
so-and-so super guitar player teams up with big vocalists from this band and makes this super group and you're like, fuck yeah, this is going to be awesome. It's like George Bellis on guitar and, you know, this dude from this really awesome band and this epic drummer and Vitaly, I can't pronounce his last name, Coopery on keyboard. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like all-star shred shrapnel guys. And then, like, you hear the first track and it just starts out with, like, the 1987, like, impellitary riff and then the high vocal comes in with the, yeah! And, you know, then there's, yeah. like, the guitar song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh shit. And I, I, that was it. Like I was just lost there. I'm like, I've heard this fucking band 787 times already today, just by going through my playlist. Yeah. And you know, I don't even know if like shred guitar fans like that. I think that's just become like so standard that they just go, Oh yeah. Okay. That's, that's it's the expectation. Right. You have to play neoclassical music. If you can be, if you want to be a shredder, at least it was 10 years yeah. ago when I used to care about that stuff. Or you can be Guthrie Govan and uh, go play for Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Or you could just play Ingve covers and, you know, they forget they, they, a lot of them get so into the guitar that they forget about music. That sucks. Very true. Very true. Guthrie does not suffer from that problem. No. And, and, I mean, to anyone that's not aware, he does have the Hans Zimmer gig. That's why I said that. Oh, yeah, totally. I'll tell you an interesting story about that, too, now that you mentioned that comment, Trey. Um, when I played in a thrash metal band for many years, I then sold out, quote, and uh, started a butt rock band. This is like 2008 or nine, And making the transition from being a shredder for like eight years or whatever and living, shitting, breathing, nothing but speed, crazy guitar, and then having to play like you know, rock music and write singles and things like that. I had to like relearn how to play guitar over in a year. And it was actually like one of the most freeing and liberating experiences because I didn't lose any of my technique or chops. But what I did is I grew so much better musically as a guitar player and really learned how to just step outside of, uh, you know, scales and arpeggios and thinking of things very linearly like, okay, we're on a C chord. So I can do this, 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 or this. It's more like, I'm just going to hold this bend with this vibrato and push this destroying wah pedal and I'm just going to keep doing it because I can and it's awesome and boobs you know like <laughs> I've always thought it was hilarious when a shred guy would suddenly go rock and it would be like all the uh, if you were to like write down everything about rock that sells like on a checklist their albums would always contain that checklist yep but it was so lame always <laughs> it's so bad <laughs> or like when Dream Theater would do like the radio song they would also go down the Nickelback checklist. Yep. You guys know the checklist I'm talking about. It's like so bad. So I don't know. I think I'm not saying that it can't be done. I'm sure you did it well, but sometimes those guys need to just stay in their lane. Like they they worked for like 20 years to become awesome at guitar and then three months to try to like write hit songs. It's like, uh, you're not going to learn how to write hit songs in three months. Well, here's the thing. Playing for the bar for 20 to 50 people that don't give a shit, except for like the six cross-armed dudes that are sitting there with their one girlfriend that they share, uh, waiting for you to (laughs) fuck up. And then, you know, like peering through your soul while you're playing and you're under the hot lights, you're sweating, you know, maybe you like got two hours of sleep that night on, you know, the cold ass tour bus and you're kind of pissed off for whatever reason because the drummer's being a dick and you just miss that one note of that vibrato. And then they look and they nod and they look at their girlfriend. They're like, yep, yep, I could have did that better. Like you get to deal with that every night. And then like, you know, you put out a song and then it goes on the internet and then you get 1,877,612 hate comments and death threats on YouTube. 
and one like, you know what I mean? Like you get, you get tired of that shit. So actually switching from rock, which I thought I would hate and would be totally lame, was a lot more fun to play because having actually knowing how to play guitar and, you know, not having to use my abilities other than just like, you know, stuff that was totally on autopilot and just, it was just fun. It was so liberating to play because people would actually come out to the shows and we blew up really fast and just, people really got into it and it's so crazy. Like, you know, you do some crazy lick and no one's impressed, but then you just whip out a little bit of pentatonic shit and people are like, dude, holy fuck you shred. So (laughs) they just appreciated it a lot more and there were no critics and it was just a lot more fun and a better atmosphere. They didn't give a shit if you screwed up, you know, you just like throw your guitar off your shoulder and make it look like you meant to do it. And then they scream and cheer and you're like, yeah. (laughs) So it was fun. You know, that's what I'm saying. I had more fun playing rock coming from being a pretentious shred dickhead than I did ever think I was going to. And it was just a great experience. So who who would have figured? Well, so I have a kind of an interesting uh, perspective on that same idea. So like, because I've always sort of peppered my metal with other stuff, I tried very, very, very hard to make sure that the songs were good first and then that the solo was good. I mean, there was like a time, there was a, there was a, there was a moment like a, when I, when I kind of made that switch because originally it was the other way around. I like only gave a shit about the solo and I realized that I was putting so much pressure on myself for the solo that I like, I was caring less about the song and then the solo hit and I was just like, "Uh, get it right, get it right, get it right, get it right. And like, I, what I didn't realize is that your average listener doesn't actually give a shit about the solo. They only care about the song and the solo is like almost a distraction to them if it's in the wrong spot, you know? Unless it's a solo like Hotel California or right. Switch Out of Mine or, or where it's basically the song. But Yeah, it's got it has to elevate the song. If you put it in the wrong spot or if you you know, or if it's not melodic enough, um then it's then it for the average listener it can be a a distraction. But so this might be kind of a daring thing to admit since I run a metal website and I'm probably going to get a lot of shit for this. But so I write a lot of music. I love to write songs of all kinds, but like, I also uh, write pop music. Like I write, Oh, pop, that's pop not songs. that bad. Dude. You I know? just came out with a new machine head single the other day and I listened to pop music all the fucking time. So yeah. sue me, <laughs> It's you know, and it's a completely different art form, but at the same time, I learned so much from writing these pop songs that is completely translates to my, you know, to the metal music that I write. Here's a question for you, Trey. Do you think that it's harder to write a number one single than it is to write the most progressive of songs? Because I do, because back when I played technical music, it was just like you put together a bunch of stupid riffs because they were hard to play. And I, oh yeah, we'll just change time signatures and tempos here and we'll interlock up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really technical. That's cool. Whereas like pop, you have to like write in a very specific thing and writing a song that's timeless that people are going to want to it's a skill, you know, and the highest paid guys write pop and they're really brilliant songwriters. And I feel yeah. like a lot of those guys can write anything. So I don't yeah. know. What do you think? A hundred percent. So I think that pop is harder to write and metal is harder to perform. Um, Absolutely. And uh, Max <laughs> really? Martin. Have you ever tried uh, being a backup dancer for uh, one of those <laughs> pop artists? I No, I have not. Right, um, well we're talking then. about guitar playing here, not dancing. <laughs> okay. Well then hold on. Um, any of you ever tried to get really good at funk guitar with the yes. right hand work? Yes, that absolutely. shit is hard as fuck. That's true. Just different. Just different. It's just different, but hard. 
it's not easy. Like I have a much easier time shredding than like doing the right hand stuff for funk. So That's I true. don't know. I don't know if I'm with you on that. Well, metal's easier to perform. Maybe the, maybe the uh, maybe the stuff that I write is <laughs> is uh, I mean for pop is easier to play. But it's um, I mean yeah, it's basically it's just it's a whole different world. It's a whole new world, a new fantastic point of view. Uh, that's Aladdin. Um, so I, know, I, I, was, I was wondering which one that was from. Like, <laughs> no one to tell us no or where to go. At, at least, you, at least you know now that I don't sit around watching kids' movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, as evidenced by the, if you guys uh, want to no start an response. Aladdin core with Metal Zone paddles, oh my let god, let me know. I'm in. I'll be the genie. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, and Alex obviously is Aladdin. You know. <laughs> All right, let's keep moving. So, uh, oh, I was going to say Aladdin. that. Um, <laughs> fuck Aladdin. Uh, Max Martin, who is the most successful pop songwriter of the last 20 years, probably is a is a metalhead. He was in metal bands back in Sweden and all this, and he's worth $400 million. So I'm fucking coming for you, Max. I am coming for your throne, wherever <laughs> I'm, you are. I'm sure you he and everyone your... else in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm sure he hears your threats right now and is <laughs> quivering. You know what he would actually do from the guys that I know that work with him is he would actually, if you were any good, just acquire you and make you part of his team and then leverage you and make even more money. <laughs> oh, wow. It's not a terrible idea. I should I should find him. Yeah. Anyway. So I want to ask you a question about Gear Gods because we haven't talked about Gear Gods at all. This <laughs> No, uh, how did you get hooked up with them? And uh, what were you doing before you were doing this that's a wonderful series of questions so let's see i was born in a small town <laughs> in Ar- called arlington massachusetts so basically i was a guitar teacher for a very long time uh i had i you know i worked at a music store doing like retail stuff and i sort of got into teaching sideways you know i would like I had friends ask me like, hey, man, can you show me some of this stuff? Basically, I taught for like food. I would be like, bring me a box of cookies and I will give you a guitar lesson. And so that was in college. And then uh, and then I started getting more serious about it. I, I started working at a school and teaching private lessons. And I did that for like seriously for like five years. It was like pretty much my whole life and playing in bands and stuff. And then one day I was scrolling around um, the Metal Sucks Facebook page, or maybe it just dropped into my feed. And they were looking for someone to do this, you know, basically a gear site. And they needed, they were looking for people to apply for the editor-in-chief position. So I kind of did the, uh, like, the overachiever version of, a, of an application, which is that I actually filmed the very first rigged, thing for like a rigged uh episode before there was even a rigged so i went so this band uh cormorant is friends of mine they're kind of like a underground black metal band you know kind of had some success like uh on metal sucks and stuff like that and they're great super great uh, good friends of mine still still trekking along putting putting out awesome records and they were happened to be in the studio so i just like borrowed a camera (laughs) i went in the studio filmed all their gear and them talking about it and stuff. And I edited it, edited it. And I, and I showed <laughs> I showed it to them and I did a write up. Did you do do it? I do do, I do do it. And, and then I, I also wrote a, like an editorial about a really bad experience that I had with a, a custom guitar builder. And they, I submitted all of this 
And they were like, wow, okay. And they, we did a phone interview and everything. And I didn't get the job. They, um, they picked uh, Chris Alfano, who's, um, who was, at the time, was far and away better for the job than I was anyways. So that actually worked out fine. But they liked me so much that they invented a position for me. Because they were originally, it was just going to be Chris doing the, everything. And they were like, okay, well, you seem to be really into this and you seem to know what you're talking about. So we're going to make you a like contributing writer position. So I was like, great, I'll take it. And for a year, I was pretty much just doing like a couple articles a month, just random crap, you know, writing stuff up. And they initially did not even want to have a video component to the website, or at least they didn't really consider it when they were making the site to begin with. And I just kept pushing the idea of doing lots of video stuff because I kind of think that YouTube is the future, you know? I really love YouTube. I love the idea of almost being your own network, you know, being being like the little mini NBC of whatever it is that you do. And so I shot a bunch of video content and just kept pushing and being really annoying <laughs> and, uh, you know, and doing, doing a lot more work than I was, you know, getting paid to do. And because I loved it, you know, it was it was an outlet. And suddenly people gave a shit what I think, thought, gave, thinked. And, <laughs> think, you know, that's the right word. Gave a shit what I thought, thunk. <laughs> and, and, and so I just kept hammering away at it. And then, so they eventually uh, upgraded me to a senior editor, which was another position that they made up just, you know, to give me a better title. And, and then eventually what happened, it was, let's see, January of last year, just before NAM, Chris got a, a, a new job. And I was, I had at that point made myself essentially indispensable. Like I was the obvious choice because like, they'd have to train somebody else to do all this stuff and use, you know, how to use WordPress and crap. So I'm sure they were, you know, I made the choice really easy for them. I'll put it that way. Just through sheer, like having a cheery, shitty attitude, you know, just, just uh, not being relentless. Exactly. Yeah. So, so then they made me editor in chief, which I have now done for a year and a half, I guess since, yeah, it's January of last year. So a year and a half. And, it's been the single greatest thing I've ever done. It's the most fun I could possibly imagine doing for a job. I mean, it's funny because I think about the kind of stuff that I was doing when I wasn't working like two or three years ago. And it's a lot of it's kind of the same thing that I was trying to do, you know, like just uh, like make, making videos and playing a lot of guitar and, you know, caring about gear at least a little bit and now it's it's like playing guitar making videos all the same thing (laughs) yeah all the same thing but but other people care about it too and i get paid to do it and it's fantastic i kind of yeah it's it's a ridiculously charmed life i'm i'm not a rich man but i am very very happy most of the time rich and joy and gear yeah so it's super fucking dope (laughs) <laughs> so what would you say to someone who wants to do something like what you do for a living? Because we've got a few people in our listeners who want to uh, 
work online or do stuff like that, what would you say? Just I tell them to just fuck stop. off and yeah, not. Just, no. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't yeah. mean. I don't mean take your job. I, mean, I know. I know. No, I would. Uh, man, well, I would tell them to invest in a good quality camera and a and a good light a good lighting rig. What camera are you using? Okay, so I have three cameras now. So we shoot all of our like more formal content on the Canon. We have been shooting on the 70D and we just upgraded to the 80D, which is perfect because it sounds like ADD, like attention deficit disorder. And uh, we, <laughs> we have that. Uh, so I actually bought, uh, so Alex bought the 70D and then he sold me the 70D when he upgraded to the 80D. And so I have that now. I've been shooting on that just a little bit. Most of the stuff I shot when shooting out, shot on when starting out was a GoPro. You cannot fuck up with a GoPro. If the lighting is okay, it's going to look good. It can't look... We use those on Nail the Mix. Yeah. It can't look amazing. I mean, for what it is, it looks spectacular. I mean, if you're jumping off of a cliff or something, maybe it'll look amazing. There's a threshold of how good it can look, but the low threshold of how bad it can look is not... Like it's, it's hard to make it look bad. It's really hard to fuck up. So I shot most of my early reviews and stuff on that. And I also use a zoom, uh, Q8, which is awesome because it's kind of like a GoPro in that, you know, you can't like, it doesn't have like a variable lens on it. It's like just kind of a static kind of a deal, but it has XLR inputs so you can record all your audio straight into the video while you're doing it. And I use that for all my theory videos. So yeah, um, if you can afford something like a, like a nice decent Canon, I mean, you can get a, like a rebel that'll look almost as damn good for 400 bucks or something and, you know, invest in a decent lens, but you can get cheap as fuck lights on Amazon Cowboy Studio yeah, like lights. 70 bucks. Yeah, Cowboy Studio, you know, it's like it loads the same kind of bulbs as any other super high-end professional studio lights, you know, you can get get the same bulbs and put it in. They're cheap and flimsy, but you know, if Dude, they work. They absolutely work. We used it for everything for the longest time and just recently kind of upgraded, but it's yeah. So, I mean, I think personally I think that video is the most important. So if you have good looking videos, you can have a whole career on YouTube, you know, doing, if you're doing something, if you have good content for whatever, like I think starting a YouTube channel, I would say start a YouTube channel now, whatever it is that you're doing, you know, because I wish like, man, like it takes time for it to catch on. Our YouTube channel is like three years old now and it's just now starting to get some serious traction, you know, like our, so our video that has the most hits is around f- almost 400,000, which is pretty good. But, you know, it, it's taken years to accrue those kinds of hits and and subscribers. We have 40, almost uh, 35,000 subscribers right now. And that's a lot. But, you know, it's 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 a very slow burn. So but if you want to uh, if you want to work in the music I don't know what what would you call the this particular I, I'd call field. it the the is the music industry. It's just not like the record industry. You guys right. are the press. Yeah. Kind of. Well, they are. Yeah, you guys are the new press. Like magazines are not re- are not really a thing. I mean, right. they exist, but like people get their press through you guys and through Metal Sucks and Metal Injection, which are all the same thing. Kind exactly. of exactly. Yeah. But yeah, you guys are the. 
Wow, the Jews do run the media. I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just their Irish pawn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. So the so the if you want to work in music media or press, then WordPress is the bomb. Then get on Ben and Matt's good side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. I'll 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 be more specific. No, serious answer now. I won't interrupt. You have to honest to God not be a dick. Like, so I hesitate putting this out there because now I'm going to get a billion emails, but like, so I get a lot of emails from PR folk, you know, uh, public relations, press people. So somebody hires them to get their stuff on our website and other websites, right? And other, you know, TV and all that. Okay. And the reason that I listen to them and I care about what they've got going on, aside from the fact that they get me access to bigger artists, is because they like ask me nicely. You know, they they write me an email that's like personal. They say, hey, Trey, do you think you could premiere this video for me this coming week? The artist would really appreciate it, you know. And I get independent bands who do the same thing. And even though they might only have 500 likes on their Facebook page, and they, you know, they shot a really great looking playthrough video and they've got an album coming out and they ask me nicely and sometimes I premiere their video for them, you know, and that's basically like, that's what we do. So if you're, it's, if you want to get on the good side of somebody who has a website or somebody who you think is good, who could hire you or whatever, like, don't think about being successful or, or, or getting ahead or getting a job or something like just, just make friends, you know, make like don't be fucking annoying or, or, or be, <laughs> be a dick. Like, I mean, obviously I just told a whole story about how me being annoying got me this job, but I, I, I wasn't, I was I was persistent, not, a, not, not like, Hey guys, what are you doing? Hey, hey, hey let's be friends. Yay. It's, you know, <laughs> I've, since I've had this job, I've made so many legitimate, honest to God friends in the industry. And, you know, if they've got something going on, like I'll, I, I want to be a part of it and I want, you know, I want to premiere stuff for them. I want to, I want to collaborate on things and they want to collaborate with me, not just because I'm the gear gods guy. Okay. Cause there's lots of bigger outlets than gear gods. I mean, we're not rolling stone, you know, but if rolling stone treat them like garbage, it doesn't matter. They're not going to want to be on rolling stone anyways. So I think it's really easy to make friends and I don't want to say that I'm particularly necessarily good at it, but I don't, because my intentions are genuine, I think people, people realize that pretty quickly versus like the, you know, the sharks or the, 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 the NAM, the NAM punishers. Yes. The NAM <laughs> punishers. Bro, bro. Check out my demo, bro, bro, bro. Yeah, exactly. And they just hammer you with something rather than being like, Hey dude, I like what you do. Here's, you know oh, I'm in a band, you know, like maybe it'll come up. Maybe it doesn't like just make a friend and. Hey dude, I like what you do. Here's a dick pic. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and you get a lot of those unsolicited. No, thankfully. Oh, um, don't give right. them, don't give them ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, we, uh, so our, our, our demographic is an absolute sausage fest though. It's literally 95% of the people who come to our site are dudes. So yeah. I, I'm sure it'll happen eventually. That'll be really bad. Um, <laughs> what are we like 98.5 at URM? Yeah. Yeah. I think we're 98.5. Yeah. I think that sucks. I, I wish there were, you know, I wish there were more girls that were into it. Um, 
but you know, they're, they're there. And, uh, I, hello, hello, all my female fans. I, I appreciate and love you. Thank you for <laughs> Trey is single. And if you're available, please email him. <laughs> See, that's why they don't, that's why they don't, exactly. uh, participate is because dudes always say shit like that to them. I just cock blocked. Sorry. <laughs> See that Joel I just, just uh, Joel just reinforced why the females never communicate in these groups yep. or <laughs> participate because the moment they show themselves, someone thinks they're trying to get a date <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. So anyway, thank you, Joel. I'll be here all week. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so they um, anyway. Uh, I guess my biggest piece of advice: number one, chill the fuck out, or if you're too chill, you might be too passive. Get involved. So how did, okay, and this is not making fun of him, but how did Alex do it? Because <laughs> oh. on the surface, he he can, you know, he, he fall, checks off some of those categories. He's a punisher. He's we, a, we love him, though. He's how a lovable, he, lovable punisher. Yeah. Uh, well, Dude, Alex is awesome. He, yeah, he he's is. awesome, but how, does, how did Alex manage to, like, get away with it? You know... Well, because he's genuine. He's not, a, he's not so like. Bullshit. It's because he plays harpsichord in a power metal band. Let's be real. He does, so he has, well, he has a very particular set of skills. Um, <laughs> aside from just like, uh, like being pretty knowledgeable about a lot of things that I am very, have a high deficit of knowledge in specifically regarding stuff like mixing, mastering, like that's all stuff that I, as soon as I, Alex started mixing and mastering all of my stuff, I quit trying to mix. Okay. Like for a while, like I try, you know, I was kind of into it and he took that burden away from me for which I am eternally grateful. And, you know, and he knows, he knows more about keyboard sound design than anyone I've ever met. And he also offered me a place to live. <laughs> so like I live, you know, we're, that's, you know, we're roommates. I moved. So I, I lived in Northern California for like 11 plus years and when I was like uh, thinking of moving to Southern California, he was like, hey, come rent a room from me. And so uh, that's see, you're making it sound even creepier. Yes, I did. Well, so, I mean, we were already friends. It was sorry. It wasn't oh, okay. like it wasn't like just some rando on the Internet. So uh, my <laughs> so my so uh, somebody who uh, actually was in my band for a while moved down to Southern California. He started a band with Alex. They came up and played some shows with us. That's how I met Alex. And Alex is, you know, Mr. Fucking sociable. So dude, he knows everybody. He networks, he networks hardcore, you know? So he's like, you could say that he's the annoying guy that I told you not to be, but because he's not, he's not really annoying. He's just, he's persistent. He's not annoying at all. And he all. loves networking and he loves to introduce people to each other, regardless of how awkward it might be, you know, and he just powers through the awkwardness. So it works out really good for him in a lot of ways. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's very, he's, he's undaunted. <laughs> So I don't know. So then I, I had a, he fulfilled a need that I had, which sounds very sexual, but it was, that <laughs> you know, a lot of, he can do a lot of the stuff that I can't. So the, uh, I, I would say the part two or three of, of my advice to people who want to do something like this is to obviously develop a useful skill or have a product that's worth having, you know, like I think th it was a kind of, kind of recent revelation of mine about how marketing and strategies and and packaging and uh, what's it called presentation is vastly more important than the actual product 
um, oh, in, yeah. a, in a lot of ways. But if when they get through all of that packaging and marketing, uh, the thing sucks, then it was all for naught. So you have to have something better, different, more useful or whatever than the next guy, or even just something that's really, really good. Like in the case of music, you know, there's 800,000 death metal bands in the world. Some of them are obviously better than others, but, um, you know, there's only one necrophagist, like, and they're not coming out with any new music anytime soon. So if you do something kind of like that, you can also just be the other necrophagist or whatever. You know, you can fulfill a need, a, a, a niche, and if you do it really well, and then you also have really great marketing for whatever, you know, I, I mean, I'm just using music uh, like performance as an example. Like if, if you want to be the other necrophagist, you can have a lot of success, you know, so it doesn't have to be 100% completely original. You have to have a product. And when I say product, I mean a skill or a some kind of a shtick or I don't know what, what like. a. No, I completely agree. I just saw an interview with Mark Cuban on Creative Live who said that he hires people who are good at what he's bad at. And I feel like that's basically what it boils down to. Exactly. Is do what other people can't or won't do um, or fulfill what they don't have that they do want. And I feel like that's yes. kind of what it boils down to. Yeah, fulfill a need um, that somebody has and and great. Actually, here's a... Uh, <laughs> this uh, brings up a, an important point that we've been talking about around the office. And actually, we are looking for another writer to do some, uh, you know, a couple articles a week or something. And so if that's something you're interested in, you can email me at info at geargods.net. But so I guess that looking for entry-level positions like that and then having and then presenting those skills or product of which I spake earlier in a friendly, persistent, but not obnoxious way, then you can get in on the ground floor kind of like I did for something like that. You know, like, I don't know, like in, uh, recently Metal Sucks was looking for an intern, okay? Ha- getting an internship, something like that, and then and then fucking hammering away at it for a year, two years. And you can, and then using those kind of genuine social skills, okay? Like some people don't have them and will never have them. But I think as long as what you're keeping in mind is that you're, you actually give a shit about other people and their feelings and their, uh, uh, how they're gonna, how they perceive you, as long as you care about that stuff and you care about the other people and you care about, uh, what's the word, having a mutually beneficial arrangement of some kind, it's kind of hard to fuck up really. Yeah. You, you gotta definitely try, but, uh. Hey Trey, we're out of time. Holy shit! I didn't know. I didn't know there was a time limit. Ninety minutes. Well, Joel, uh, Joel has a hard cutoff, but we need to have you on here again because uh, obviously we could have kept talking for like another ninety minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish you'd have told me. I would have gotten to my points faster. <laughs> well, we didn't even. We didn't. We don't normally hit the time limit, so we didn't. Uh, we didn't think we would. <laughs> yeah. So we uh, because we. We try to keep them to like an hour, but uh, 
Oh yeah, an we, hour. Blew, we blew right yeah. past that. Oh yeah, for sure. So we, we definitely need to do a part two here. I am 100% down. Hell yes. Trey, it was a real pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Can't wait to hang out again, hopefully Nam oh, next yeah. year. And uh, totally. glad you guys are doing well and I'm going to go watch some videos now. Geargods.net. Yeah, hey. yeah. Geargods.net is is the hub for everything. It's got all of our, all the stuff laid out so that you can find it all very easily. Facebook.com slash Geargods if you like Facebook. YouTube.com slash gear gods. Um, you know, please be sure to subscribe. We put out new stuff uh, like three or four times a week sometimes. And uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on. This is so much fun. Um, I would love to do it again anytime. We'll do it. Absolutely. The Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast is brought to you by the 2017 URM Summit, a once-in-a-lifetime chance to spend four days with the next generation of audio professionals and special guests, including Andrew Wade, Kane Churko, Billy Decker, Fluff, Brian Hood, and many more. The inspiration, ideas, and friendship you'll get here are the things that you'll look back on as inflection points in your life. Learn more at urmsummit.com. The URM Podcast is also brought to you by Heirloom Microphones. Heirloom Microphones are high-end condenser microphones with something that has never been seen in the microphone industry, a triangular membrane. With our patented membranes and our tailored phase linear electronics, your recording and live experience will never be the same. Erlund, our microphones will help you discover clarity. Go to ehrlund.se for more info. To get in touch with the URM podcast, visit urm.com slash podcast and subscribe today.